It's time to go west. Two local teams head west for postseason play. And unlike the Oregon Trail, you won't catch dysentery or get your wagon stuck in the mud with the gem on the Queen's Crown. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the podcast covering local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, CastBox, Anchor.fm, Acast, Radio Line, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, PocketCast, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Listen Notes, Radio Public, Podbay.fm, Audible, Playapod, Cloudcaster, GPotter.net, Feed, Pod Paradise, Digital Podcast, iVooks, Podcast Blaster, Podcast Pup, TheLeeWMowen.com, and GemCitySports.com. Music is provided by FreestockMusic.com. Now, on to the podcast with your host, Lee W. Mowen. Two things before we begin the episode. Hey, new intro. Ooh. And also, Oregon Trail reference. Go me. I don't know what that has anything to do with sports, but there you go. Anyway, episode 42 of the Gem of the Queen's Crown. Sorry that it's a day late. I don't have a good excuse for it. I'm just very, very busy. In fact, yesterday started six games in a row that I'm working this homestand and 14 in a row for the Dayton Dragons. And I can't remember a time where I worked so many games, thank goodness. So let's talk about those two teams heading west. One's already west, and I think one team's heading west maybe today. And that's the Wright State Raiders baseball team and the Sinclair Community College Tartan Pride baseball team. We'll go ahead and start with the Raiders. As you know, Wright State won the tournament this past week. Done very, very well. Scored double digits in runs for the past few games, actually. But all three games in the tournament, Wright State scored no fewer than 10 in all three of their victories. The third game, I can't wait to talk about, but we'll talk about Wright State season first. As you know from previous episodes, Wright State baseball, incredible year in the Horizon League. Wright State failed to drop a series, meaning that all series, Wright State at least took two of three. With the exception of at Milwaukee, Wright State took one of one. And the reason why it was just one of one, Wright State was playing at Miller Park. Milwaukee got to host. I'm very jealous. I would like to see one of those games at Miller Park one day. And when they moved the series back to Henry Aaron Field, which is the current home of the Panthers, the field was deemed unplayable. Therefore, they could not play the rest of the series there. 
and you can't move it back to Miller Park. That takes some coin to do. It's really, really cool that Milwaukee gets to do that. Did I mention that already? Anyway. Wright State swept three of their Horizon League series, both series against the Penguins of Youngstown State, there and here. And when Wright State swept the Penguins at YSU, it just so happened that Wright State and Youngstown State were tied for first, if you don't remember that. And Youngstown State turned out to be the fifth seed out of six teams in the Horizon League tournament. Also, Wright State swept the home series against Northern Kentucky, and yes, that does include the fifth-third field game where Wright State won 12-0. So Wright State, an incredible year this year. 39 wins. Outstanding. When I did the Horizon League tournament, which will be brought up as time goes on, all but two in the starting lineup, the, the batter side of the lineup, were part of either the Horizon League first team, second team, and all-freshman team. Basically, that's just how well you stack up in the Horizon League in terms of how you play. This team has so much talent, it's just... It's scary to think how much talent's on Wright State's team. So in the Horizon League tournament... You win the tournament, that's how your ticket gets punched. Unless you have, like, an outstanding season. Well, outstanding schedule. Like, you play with the big boys, like, every weekend for Horizon League play. Something like that. Um, so, Wright State won all three games. And they scored no fewer than ten runs in each of the victories. The Horizon League Tournament was held at Wright State for the second time in three years, and I got to do all but one of those games as the public address announcer. The one game I couldn't make was Milwaukee versus Northern Kentucky, which turned out to be a 13-1 to win for the Panthers over the Norse. And that's because I had a Dragons game. But I got to see the rest of the tournament, from the front row of the press box. I tell you, when Wright State played, that Nishwood Stadium was very, very packed. In fact, all but the championship game, there was food trucks there too. I didn't realize Young's Dairy had a food truck. Maybe that's just me behind the time. I mean, my food allergy doesn't help. One of those, one of those trucks had fried curds too cheese curds sorry and you know Young's Dairy if you don't know that's like Dayton's gem for ice cream gem <laughs> like my podcast gem of the queen's crown excellent but anyway this podcast is not about food trucks or people with food trucks or people that like food trucks it's about local Sunday sports I'm sorry, hashtag local Sunday sports. Trying to get with the times. So for the Horizon League tournament, all six teams make the bracket because of the fact that Horizon League's ten teams, only six carry the sport, and that's the NCAA minimum for an automatic ticket. So it means if one of those six teams decides, eh, baseball, you know, cut 
the cord, Horizon League would need to find something pretty quickly. I think the NCAA would allow like one year and it's like, okay, fine. You're trying to find someone to get in the league for the six team. That's fine. I don't think any of the six teams will close shop. Milwaukee's got this nice deal for a ballpark in Franklin, Tennessee. So that'll be pretty exciting up there. I mean, Wright State's Nishwood Stadium, there's turf. What more do you want? It's beautiful. Norfolk, Kentucky's field, I've heard, is very nice. UIC, well, I don't know. I mean, if you like the Chicago skyline, I guess, and, you know, that one guy that plays baseball, you know, the one guy, not, like, you know, 25 to each team. No, Curtis Granderson, he dropped a very pretty penny, and UIC's field has become even more immaculate. Les Miller field was nice when I was in college, but Curtis Granderson just revamped UIC's field. And like I mentioned, you know, sarcastically, but you get a beautiful view of Chicago style skyline. It just, uh, I've even seen the press box via pictures and yeah, UIC is really nice. Uh, Oakland's field. The only real problem with that place is it's down a hill and if it rains or snows, which it does during the season, uh, Oakland's field can get flooded. It's not bad, but yeah, there were was it one series at least that got wiped away. And that was UIC at Oakland. So, but hey, Oakland's got a field. That's the nice thing. I think that's, oh yeah, Youngstown State. I forgot to mention them, but they play at Eastwood Field, the same home of the Scrappers of Mahoning Valley in the New York Penn League. So, YSU and the Scrappers share that field. So that's pretty nice right there. In fact, uh, the SID that I met, uh, Dre, he told me that they were taking the video board out and putting a brand new one in for the Scrappers. Scrapper season doesn't start for a couple weeks, I believe, Rookie ball doesn't get underway until like June, close to July even. And that goes the same for the Reds affiliate Billings and Greenville. Not Greenville, Ohio, unfortunately. That'd be cool though. Anyway, all six teams are in Rise League make it because, like I mentioned, you need six for an automatic bid. So, the tournament kicked off Wednesday. Now, I had the announcer seat for Youngstown State in Oakland. Oakland starter Jake Lee, who was part of the second team, struck out 12 in the game, left with a no decision as Youngstown State was able to scratch a run home. Jake Lee got into a couple of jams where the bases were loaded. I think one time the bases were loaded with one out, and yet he still managed to come out unscathed. So that was a very, very strong pitching performance. Made the postseason team, did Jake Lee. Didn't get the win like I mentioned. The bullpen came in after him and gave up the runs needed for Youngstown State to win 4-1. to one. Good game by the Penguins. And that would set up Youngstown State versus Wright State eventually. There was a chance that if... Northern Kentucky beat Milwaukee, 
then the Norse would have to play Wright State, and Youngstown State would get UIC, which both teams swept their home portion of the series. Youngstown State swept UIC, although the Flames made a valiant comeback, valiant comeback in Game 3 at Youngstown State, and the Flames swept the Penguins in Chicago. The Milwaukee Norway Kentucky games, the only one I didn't see, but I followed along with stats at Fifth Third Field. And Milwaukee won it thirteen to one. No offense until the bottom of the fourth, and I think that's when Milwaukee hung a five spot on the board, if I'm remembering right. So the Panthers and the Penguins moved on. Youngstown State's game was four and five, and the Penguins were the fifth seed, so technically that's a one-seeded upset. And Milwaukee was the three seed. They moved on after taking down number six, NKU. So that starts the double elimination portion of the bracket. Youngstown State's the lower seed, got Wright State because Wright State's number one. UIC got the higher seed because of number two. But both the Raiders and Flames got Wednesday off because of how well they did. So the first game, Youngstown State, Scratched the first run on the board in the top of the first against Ryan Weiss, a right-hander who's a sophomore and looking quite nice to the scouts. In fact, I don't know if I mentioned this on a previous episode, but there was at least 30 scouts out at Nishwood Stadium for Ryan Weiss and UIC's Ryan Campbell, who pitched the next game. I'll talk about that in a second. Ryan Weiss went four innings, just gave up that one run, and Coach Mercer saved his arm. And in came Mitch Gremling out of Vandalia Butler High School. I mentioned this before, but Wright State is chock full of local talent. And that's why I like college baseball around here. There's a lot of local talent on both these squads. So Gremling pitched the rest of the game. Didn't allow a run to come home and I think just one hit. I remember right. I'm probably not. There's a lot of baseball to be played. But Wright State came away with an 11-1 victory against the Penguins of YSU. So that put Youngstown State for the third game on Thursday. And part of the losing bracket, meaning one more loss and bam, you're done. Second game on Thursday was number two UIC battling number three Milwaukee. And UIC's Ryan Campbell... Yeah, all he did was retire the last 23 batters he faced from the second inning onward, you know. 6 nothing Flames was the victory, and Ryan Campbell looked like a frickin' machine. That's a compliment for the senior. I mean, great stuff, kept the Panthers' offense at bay. Tremendous work on the mound. And one of the reasons why Ryan Campbell was the pitcher of the year. Outstanding work. He was UIC's Friday starter. Wright State did beat him at Wright State. That was a 5-1 victory in which I hit one of the buttons on the scoreboard wrong and gave two extra runs to us when I was trying to clear the strikes. Doy on my part, but yeah. Ryan Campbell, outstanding job. Flames got six runs against the Panthers in that contest, and that set up. In an elimination game that Thursday, Milwaukee versus Youngstown State. Panthers won it 3-1 to 
A very close game. Reclatus for the Panthers. Jared Reclatus did an outstanding job on the mound. I don't think his streak reached anywhere near Campbell's, but he did his job. He pitched the second straight complete game and sent Youngstown State home. That would set up Friday. One game to put the champion and one game to send one home and put the other side of the bracket into championship Saturday. Wright State UIC. This is Charlie Cherney's turn to pitch. He was the relief pitcher of the year. UIC used him as a starter, as a relief pitcher. Cherney stuff, very good as well. And we had a very good game on our hands. And Wright State scored four on the board on Cherney in the bottom of the fourth. Scored six in the bottom of the sixth. And UIC got the long run in the top of the ninth with a lot of pinch hitters. I think I made that joke on Twitter, which you can follow me at the Lee W. Mallon if you like, that there's got to be a point where I switch from pen to pencil. It won't happen, but I show my batting. Uh, the I write my own lineup so I can write the pronunciations on there so I know what I'm saying. There's probably a time where I need to switch to pencil, but that ain't happening anytime soon. Sorry for people. But just the lost scratches on there. I got a kick out of it. Wright State won 10 to 1. That sent the Flames in the losing bracket and Wright State to Championship Saturday. Now, when I say losing bracket, that doesn't mean, oh, Championship, oh, yeah, that ain't happening for you. No, it means that your work just doubled, meaning you need two wins on Saturday compared to the one and one loss, and that's it. That's your season. So UIC Milwaukee met up again, and UIC took care of business against the Panthers, against Somers, Jake Somers of UWM, and the Flames and the Raiders would meet one more time championship Saturday with Milwaukee being the last team sent home. So Wright State UIC, round number two, ding, ding. Wright State put five on the board against second team Jacob Key. And then the Flames started chipping away against second team and Centerville, Ohio native Derek Hendrickson. One in the third. And then that's when the log jam started. In the fourth, UIC managed to score seven runs against both Hendrickson and Miamisburg native Jeremy Randolph. Randolph would end up getting the win. Spoilers, I know. I just left you at a place where UIC scored seven to take an eight to five lead. And Wright State slowly chipped away. UIC, their last run scored was first team catcher Aaron Ackerman. Sent a home run that hit off the replay truck. I didn't realize it hit off the truck on Saturday. One of my good friends, uh, Kevin O'Boyle had to tell me that. Uh, but yeah, Ackerman sent one screaming to right field, and that hit off the broadcast truck. And that was UIC's last run. That would put the Flames back up by two. And then the bottom of the seventh, outfielder Zach Weatherford from Inglewood, former Thunderbolt of Northmont, and... Is he Glenn Esty? He's from Batavia, Ohio, so... Yeah, I think it's Glenn Esty. 
now West Claremont, if you want to get into that. Peyton Burdick had a two-run home run. And I know I'm going to sound like a ginormous homer on this, but his bat flip, very nice. That would put Wright State up for good. I think Wright State would push home one more run to make it. 11-9 victory over UIC, and that was the title. Wright State etched their name in the trophy for the third time in the last few years. And as a broadcaster announcer the last three that was at Nishwood Stadium. In 2011, I got to broadcast it on WWSU. It was something that I always hoped I would get to do. And I never did as sports director. I got to produce a lot of those games because I sent someone else out there. I sent my friend Rick out to Gary, Indiana when Valpo hosted it. That's the home of the Gary South Shore Railcats. South Shore? Shore Shore. Probably should look that up. I'm not going to. Sorry. But in 2010 when I graduated, that was one thing I wish I'd done. And I never did. The next sports director took over for me was nice enough to ask me to do it. So that was very nice. So in one that I broadcasted and two that I got to help PA, Wright State won three of those titles in 2011, 2016, and 2018. Very, very big moment for this announcer. It was really cool to see the dog pile the Wright State did on the mound. Tremendous. And getting to announce the teams. This public address announcer had a very big week, but it's a lot of fun. A lot of congrats go out to head coach Jeff Mercer, by the way, coach of the year in the HL. Had a very classy tweet. I, I love Coach Mercer. But I had a very classy tweet saying that that's just pretty much the statement on the program. And Raider Gang's heartbeat, very, very strong. Next year, a lot of recruits coming in. 2019 should be very nice for Wright State. So Wright State, if you follow along on my Twitter, again, the Lee W. Mowen, you know that I retweet a couple of predictions where Wright State would play. Bloomington, Indiana was mentioned a couple times. That hasn't happened. Uh, Carolinas were mentioned. That didn't end up happening. Was Lexington, Kentucky mentioned? I think they were. That would have been cool. I like Lexington. Although, to be fair, it wasn't for any University of Kentucky games or Lexington Legends games. It was for the state tournament for hockey in the state of Kentucky, which is Really, that's that's still really cool. I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of beaming that there was a state that wanted me to do their ice hockey tournament. So that was really really cool. Anyway, that didn't up that didn't end up happening. Wright State is going to Palo Alto, California. Someone could tell me if I butchered that, but the home of the Cardinal of Stanford. Just a one. It's not about a bird. It's about the color cardinal. So the host cardinal will also take in Cal State Fullerton and the Titans. You might know them as the team that has an elephant as a logo, but they're called the Titans. I forget what the story is. If you remember Bracket Busters for men's basketball, Cal State Fullerton came out to another center, and Wright State ended up winning both those games. And 2007, I got the radio call on that. That was 
really, really cool. And also Baylor. The Bears are the number two seed. So it's number one Stanford, number two Baylor, number three Cal State Fullerton, and number four Wright State. That's going to start late Friday at 10 o'clock, first pitch between the Cardinal and the Raiders. Again, if you follow me on Twitter, the Lee W. Mallon, I'll try not to mention it again. You see that there was someone that put all those jerseys of the team and someone picked the green Wright State jersey, which I love. I like the Raider Gang logo and I like the identity pick by that. And it's on the, what would that be, left sleeve? That jersey, other than being green, reminds me of the cream throwback jerseys Wright State had. Same Tiffany font, only difference is it's green and it's not cream, like I mentioned. Like that pick. So, yeah, big dance for Wright State, and apparently this is the first year that Wright State's men's basketball and baseball go in the big dance the same year. I didn't realize that, actually. I thought when the Raiders went in 2007, baseball did too, but that was the year before that, so no. One win away from 40, like I previously mentioned, maybe I did in the first recording, and I'd make it three out of the last four seasons where Wright State reached the 40-win plateau. This Raider gang team, very, very good. Go get them in California, Raiders. And that is my announcing season until fall begins, which... I got Dayton Flyers volleyball schedule in the book, but I don't have anything else. Hopefully soccer schedules will be released soon. That way I can also talk about them on the podcast. Ooh. Now we talk about Sinclair baseball. Sinclair got a jump on the NJCAA, which is National Junior College Athletic Association, Division II World Series. In fact, they've been in Oklahoma for past few days. And they're going to start at 12 o'clock Central, which is 1 o'clock Eastern, and resume game against Northern Oklahoma College Enid, which are the hosts. The Tartans lost the first game in seven innings to host NOC Enid, 12-3, but they won the next two to stay alive. They beat Monroe Community College from Michigan, 9-3, and Brunswick Community College, 7-2. So the Tartan Pride are 2-1 and one in the World Series thus far. They're scoreless in the bottom of the third when those heavy rains hit NOC Enid. certainly hope NOC Enid is appropriate to say. If it's not, I'm sorry. Sinclair rolling, like I mentioned. Eddie Persinger's coming to Dayton. And Milano, who's a catcher, is going to Wright State. So that means... The pipeline of Tartans moving on to another four-year school. Very, very strong. Coach Dinneman, hopefully one day I have on my podcast. Coach Dinneman's done an outstanding job with Sinclair Baseball. And it's amazing to see how well Tartans do each and every year. Outstanding work. Like I mentioned... This game, if Sinclair loses, that's the World Series. That's it. But if Sinclair can win, I think they play... Actually, I'm not sure who they play. But, 
Sinclair still alive in the World Series. He won the last two. And they have Northern Oklahoma College Enid right now. And it's bomb third scoreless game. So good luck and congrats go out to Sinclair for their amazing season as well. I'll go to high school baseball and softball. This announcer got an extra game on Saturday. I thought once the championship was all said and done, that would be my Saturday. But it turns out I got a high school regional softball game held at Wright State. And it turned out right after Wright State won the whole kit and caboodle, that's when the storms hit. Had some heavy rain twice. And in the middle of the game, we had an hour and 26 minute rain delay. I think it stopped raining after an hour, but there was still lightning flickering in the area. I'm caught wind of that. And after the tarp was taken off, we were there for 20 minutes before we played again type of thing. So it was North Union and Williamsburg. Williamsburg is eastern Claremont County. So almost out of the scope of the Cincinnati Enquirer. Matt Adam Baum there at the WSU softball field. Great guy. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to talk to the press. But I tell you, that place was incredibly packed. If you like the colors blue, white, black, orange, you would have had a good old time there. No, but seriously, uh, outstanding turnout of fans. Very, very loud throughout the seven innings. And... It was tremendous. North Union won one to nothing over Williamsburg. That would be the Division Three bracket, and now that sets up a Final Four in Akron, Ohio, at Firestone Stadium, which is not part of the University of Akron. That is the Akron Racers softball field, which is National Pro Softball, I believe. I wish they'd bring a team to Dayton, Ohio. That would be cool, but. There are a couple local teams battling for state. And that starts tomorrow for both baseball and softball. I won't go over the whole bracket, I promise. Please keep listening. I promise I won't bore you. We'll start with softball. And this is Division 1. And again, from SWDAB.org. Starting with Division 1. And they are wishing Lakota West the best of luck. Lakota West has Perrysburg, who is ranked number three in the state, coming out of the Clyde region. Westchester's Lakota West coming out of the Centerville region. They took down number one Lebanon five to nothing on the twenty sixth of May at Centerville. Actually, someone on Twitter was mentioning why is Division One's bracket held at Centerville, but Division Three's held at Wright State. Hey, I don't care. It's a game to announce. I'm not picky, but. Yeah. So the Lakota West Perrysburg softball game will be at Firestone Stadium tomorrow, the 31st of May, at 3. And after that, it will be Asheville Tays Valley against Massillon Perry at 5.30. And for the state, June 2nd at 1 at Firestone Stadium. Whoever wins Perrysburg Lakota West and whoever wins Tays Valley Massillon Perry. So, congrats go out to Lakota West. Good luck to the Firebirds. 
Have to make sure that, yeah, Lakota West Firebirds. I always try to remember, Lakota West East, Firebirds and Thunderhawks. And I wonder why it's not Thunderbirds and Firehawks. Uh, it doesn't matter. Sorry. And also, Division 4, Bradford, the very tiny, tiny, tiny village, home of the Railroaders. Bradford will take on Jeromesville Hillsdale out of the Akron region. The first game for the Railroaders of the Cross County Conference will be June the 1st at 10 a.m. at Akron Firestone Stadium. Bradford coming out of the Greenville region took down number three Parkway by a 12 to 1 margin in Greenville. Took down Mechanicsburg to get there. Newton, also a CCC program, fell to Parkway 12 to 2. And Bradford is ranked number 10. They'll get Hillsdale 24 and 2 compared to Bradford's 22 and 3. And Hillsdale is ranked number 1. On the other side of the Division 4 bracket, you'll have Defiance Tenora against Strasburg's Franklin. Strasburg Franklin. Strasburg Franklin ranked number 5. And Tenora is not ranked according to this. So if Bradford would beat Jeromesville Hillsdale, they'll play June the 2nd at 4 at Firestone Stadium against Defiance Tenora and Strasburg Franklin. So congrats go out to Lakota West and Bradford. Bring home a state title to the Sunday area. Now we move on to baseball. We have four representatives in each bracket. Mason, Shamna, Julianne, Madeira, and Fort Loramie. We'll start with Division One's bracket for baseball. Mason will take on White House Anthony Wayne. Rank number eight is Anthony Wayne. I believe they're the Generals. When we had the Thanksgiving tournament in Dublin, and I got to call the game that I could actually make, Anthony Wayne had blue camo hockey jerseys. Those are pretty sweet. This is not hockey. This is baseball. But that's how I know Anthony Wayne. Anthony Wayne is 25-4, and four, and Mason comes in 26-5. and five. The Comets are ranked number 7 in the bracket. They took down Elder by a score of 3-2 to two in 9 innings. High School Baseball 7. And also took down... Oh, I'm sorry. That's Archbishop Muller that took down Elder 3-2. to two. Mason took down Centerville 3-2 to two in 7 innings. And then took down Muller 3-2 to two in 7 at UC's March Shot Stadium. And that sets up Mason versus Anthony Wang at the home of the Columbus Clippers, Huntington Park. That's June the 1st of 1, by the way, Mason versus Anthony Wayne. Other side of the D1 bracket is Medina Highland against Powell Olentangy Liberty. The Patriots, 28-4, and and Highland, 19-9. Patriots took down Lancaster. It's Lancaster in Ohio. I know in Pennsylvania it's Lancaster, but it's Lancaster in Ohio. 3-2 to two for the Patriots over Lancaster. And 8-1 to one over New Albany. That sets up their game against Highland. And that's June the 1st at 10. That'll be before the Mason game. Winners of those games play June the 2nd at 4 for the D1 state title at Huntington Park. Again, home of the 
AAA affiliate of the Cleveland Indians, longtime AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees, and for two years, the Washington Nationals, the Columbus Clippers. We move on to Division Two, Shamana Julien representing the Sunday area, and also Wapakoneta. Technically, Wapakoneta is not considered Southwest Ohio, but for this podcast, guess what? They're part of it. Wapakoneta will take on Circleville. I have a couple good buddies that hail from Circleville High School. One of them has a podcast. One of them is a coach for Springfield High School football. Wapakoneta has Circleville and the Tigers. Wapakoneta now 23-1, and ranked number one in Division Two. Circleville 19-10. and Wapakoneta took down Firelands. 12 nothing in five innings. There's run rule in high school baseball. In college baseball, there isn't. People say there should be, but those people are wrong. Okay, that's my opinion. They're not wrong. That's their opinion. I'm sorry. But Wapkanetta took down Firelands, then went on to take down Ontario, Ohio. And all these games are at Bowling Green. Wapkanetta's coming out of the Bowling Green region. Like I mentioned, Wapakoneta is part of the Sunday area, but that's about as far north as it goes for this podcaster. So Wapakoneta and Circleville, they'll play at four on June the 1st at Huntington. On the other side is Dayton Chaminade Julian, the proud wearers of the blue and green. They'll take on Talmadge. Talmadge? Talmadge. No, I believe that's Talmadge. Someone can tell me if I'm wrong. You know the normal address. June the 1st at 7 p.m., Talmadge will take on Shamana Julien. The Eagles took down Bishop Hartley 3-2 and took down CHCA 5-4. Eagles going for the D2 state title. Winner of those games play June the 2nd at 7 for the Division II state championship. Division Three Madeira represents Southwest Ohio. And Coldwater represents the Sunday area as well. We'll start with the Cavaliers first, 25-6. and six. They'll take on Minford at 24-2. and two. Coldwater's ranked number 6, and Minford's ranked number 12. That'll be a good game tomorrow, May 31st at 4 at Huntington. Overside, May 31st at 7. Cincinnati's Madeira, 21-6. and six. Yes, the school that Andrew Benetetti current Boston Red Sox hails from the Cincinnati kid they'll take on Canfield South Range as opposed to North Range sorry why do I keep making fun of school names I, I don't know that's not nice uh, South Range is 16 and 15 they took down Grand Valley and Wayndale I believe that's Apple Creek Wayndale Madeira took down Madison Senior. I believe that's Middletown Madison, if I'm remembering right. There's so many Madisons out there. There's Mansfield Madison. There's Trotwood Madison. There's Middletown Madison. This is the Xenia region, by the way, for Madeira. They also took down Blanchester for nothing. Those games happening at AIA and Xenia. So Madeira's got South Range at Huntington Park. 31st of May at 7. Winner of that game plays June the 2nd at 1. Again, the home of the Clippers, Huntington Park. And Division 4, Fort Loramie. 
for the Southwest District, I don't know what the cutoff is. I always thought it should be in Miami Valley, but I don't know. Maybe that's too far up. I don't know. Fort Loramie is the only local Sunday school representing Division Four. So I can tell you on the other side, it's Mowry's Town, White Oak. Mowry's Town. Don't think it's Mowry's Town. You don't say Moen. Well, sorry, that's irrelevant. Mowry's Town, White Oak has Hicksville. May 31st of 1. Other site, it's Garfield Heights Trinity. wonder if everyone at Garfield Heights says, I hate Mondays. Sorry, that's irrelevant as well. I think that's Garfield Heights is named after James Garfield. You know, one of the U.S. presidents and not the fat cat from Muncie, Indiana that likes lasagna. Do I really need that much help? <laughs> How many references are, am I going to throw out there that's not sports? <clears throat> Garfield Heights Trinity, Trinity versus Fort Loramie. Redskins went through Minster, won that 7-5, and Cincinnati Christian won that 8-7. Cincinnati Christian beat Rushi 6-1 to get to that Fort Loramie battle. Fort Loramie 25-6, takes on 22-3 Trinity. And that will be May 31st at 10 a.m. Bright and early. Get there at Huntington Park. And that's your lot. I told you I wasn't going to go over the entire thing. By the way, state track meet starts tomorrow, June the 1st. And congrats go out to Division II single state champion Andrew Priegel out of Indian Hill High School out of Cincinnati. That's all done. For boys tennis, girls tennis plays in the fall. Why is that? In college, both tennis teams play at the same time. Why does girls tennis play? It's, it's neither here nor there. Sorry. My next topic takes us away from the diamond and takes us to the pitch. Hashtag MOS to Cincy. You've probably seen the news. FC Cincinnati, starting next year, will be a member of Major League Soccer. That's fantastic news. They'll play a couple years at Nippert Stadium while the stadium is built in West End. One thing I gotta say, good work, Cincinnati. And keep supporting FC Cincinnati. I think the team name's gonna change to Football. Club Cincinnati when they jump to MLS and Fuss meaning that German double S that squiggly thing that kind of looks like a fat paper clip that's double S in German uh, one thing that I remember from German except 999 being no 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 is that that's double S yeah the more you know Huge news for Cincinnati. That means the Queen City is home to now three professional teams. You might be wondering, though, what's going to happen with the Columbus crew? Nothing. FC Cincinnati's success won't have anything to do with the crew. Thing is, it's not FC Cincinnati that the crew fans are mad about. It's Anthony Precourt and his dumb idea, Ooh, we should move to Austin. ha, <laughs> ha. Austin doesn't want the crew. Austin's running the USL. How long did that take? A couple years? And kapoof? 
I'm not saying anything bad against Austin, Texas. I'm not saying against Austin, Texas people that want a soccer team. I'm saying against pre-court, this is a dumb idea. You're taking away one of the charter members in the MLS. You're taking away from a place that hosts the United States national teams and do quite well against other teams. Dolce Cero, that's from Columbus. That's from the United States blanking Mexico 2-0. Or Dolce Cero. It makes me angry. I know this is not Southwest Ohio. This podcast is about Cincinnati Dayton sports. It makes me mad that it's still a thing being talked about. Keep the team in Columbus. Get Precord out of there. Give him his own team in Austin. Although, no, that shouldn't happen because San Antonio's trying to do the right thing, too. Cincinnati, if you listen to my podcast, well, Cincinnati Dayton, if you listen to my podcast, there's one thing that needs to be done here. FC Cincinnati will get done. Save the crew. Hashtag save the crew. Someone I work with at Wright State told me, no, you need to move to Austin. I was ready to flip my chair. I, like I mentioned, the first soccer-specific stadium built is Mafre, once Columbus Crew Stadium. How can you take that history away? Just go, no, no, fans don't turn up. Columbus's fan base is one of the most passionate that I've seen. And with Cincinnati's rise with their fan base... If you take away the hell is real battle, if you don't like the word hell, then I-71 battle. Let's be honest. I didn't realize hell is real was based on that sign on 71, and I thought it was on I-70. I was wrong. There's something else like that just past State Route 72 if you head east, but, you know. You're not here for billboard reads. Save the crew. Build FC Cincinnati. Keep those two teams in the state of Ohio. You're going to have a damn good rivalry. Damn good. You know what? The crew leads the MOS in shutout minutes. That core has not allowed a goal in... I don't remember how many games. In fact, when Columbus went to Sporting Kansas City, still didn't give up a goal. And ended in a scoreless draw. And now I can hear the non-soccer fans... Zachary's buried, you don't even score a goal. That's not the point of soccer. You want high scoring affair, watch the NBA or something. And I'm not ratting on the NBA, because even though it's Cavs, Warriors for the fourth straight year, which, you know, some people are like, hey, I'm not watching that. Yes, you are. You just don't want to admit it, because... I don't know why I see LeBron James and Steph Curry. <laughs> Give me a break. You're going to watch it. I'm going to listen to it on radio when I can. I'm going to follow along on Twitter. I have the Cavs updates on my app. The score. Which is not my app. It's just the app I have on my phone. Just to clarify that. So, congrats go out to Cincinnati. The effort... That you guys put in, match in, match out, superb. Keep it up. Support this team. Support Cincinnati, Ohio. 
Now, what that means for the Dayton Dynamo, I'm not sure. To be honest, I haven't heard a lick of news. I heard that the news coming will be great, and I heard that there's a site picked. What site? I don't know. I don't know anything that's happening. All I know is I miss my Dynamo. I see Cleveland SC, which took over for AFC Cleveland. I see their play, and I see FC Columbus. I see women's soccer play, and I see the Dutch Lions play. Makes me sad that I'm not involved in soccer this year. I'll be back in the fall for college soccer. Don't you, don't you get any ideas on that? But I wish I had news. I don't. I'm sorry. So MOS to Cincy, it's official. Cincinnati is getting a major league soccer team. Go get him, Cincinnati. Now, save the crew. Keep the hell is real rivalry in Ohio. Save the crew. Moving on back to the baseball diamond. Dayton Dragons and Cincinnati Reds. Reds aren't doing so hot. Last few games, they've lost. Uh, last night turned out to be a 5-2 Arizona win. Castillo only going 5. That puts a lot of taxation on that bullpen. Dragons won 2-1. to one. West Michigan in town, celebrating 25 years. As you know on Twitter, I'm a big nerd. Especially about logos. I really like the fact that West Michigan's 25th year anniversary logo has the old logo. That's nice. And then I compared it to the city of Miamisburg logo. The old one, not the current one. And how it reminds me about the same. There's a lot more white in West Michigan's old logo than I originally thought. But it's still the same. You got your yellow, you got your blue, and you got white cap wave to be honest I really like West Michigan's current look it's really nice on hats but anyway Dragons won 2-1 to one despite West Michigan starter Elvin not to be fused with Alvin Elvin Rodriguez struck out 12 and I think that's a season high thus far against State and Dragons batting 12 strikeouts for Rodriguez in 7 innings only gave up a home run to first baseman Montrell Marshall. Yes, the same player that is the cousin to former second baseman of the Reds, Brandon Phillips. Montrell Marshall hit it a ton to the concession stand out in left field. West Michigan's only one was a home run hit by their first baseman, Pierce. I, I mentioned that on the tweet, I think. If I didn't, then I meant to. Dayton won 2-1. to one. They're coming off a very, very, very tough series at Bowling Green. Won the first game, lost the last three and the last two in very blowout fashion. In fact, the broadcaster of the Dragons, Tom Nichols, was talking about it. And I overheard that you couldn't see home plate because of the puddles building at uh, Bowling Green Ballpark, I think is what it's called. I'm not sure what it's called, actually. This is Bowling Green, Kentucky, by the way, not Bowling Green, Ohio. So, it got so bad you couldn't find home plate. And I guess the catcher's like, where do I stomp at? I can't see. And the umpire's like, you stomp where you think home plate is, and I'll make a call. Apparently, the last play of the game was a grand slam hit by Bowling Green, but the batter failed to touch home plate, meaning three of those four runs count. The final score ended up being 14-1 to Bowling Green. 
and it ended in, you know, unplayable conditions. You want to play in puddles? I do too, but, you know, that's not the point. So Dayton's coming off three straight losses. This was a very good win. Miles Gordon led off the bottom of the eighth with a hit and a double by third baseman Santana brought the speedy Gordon home, and that was the game. Geisel, who's the save the save man for the closer, the save man. <laughs> I'm the save man. I save you money. No, I'm sorry. Geisel, who's the Dragons' closer, he has converted all but one. He got his 10th win, but he did load the bases up with two outs. Got the pinch hitter to strike out, looking to end the game. Dragons won 2-1. to one. They're two games over 500 at 26-24. They'll look for the series win tonight against West Michigan. And then first, actually, yeah, first place Lansing. Last night they were second place by half a game, but I think they won. Actually, I'm not sure. I probably should have looked at that, but Lansing comes in. They're tough. They know how to bat. They know how to pitch. That's a damn good Lansing team. Part of my, part of my language. That's a darn good Lansing team. However, one of their strong bats, Kevin Smith, got moved up to Dungden. Dungden. Someone could tell me how to say that. I believe that's Advanced Day. I don't think that's Double A. Because I think Double A is Vancouver, if I remember right, in the Toronto system. The Vancouver Canadians. In hockey season, that'd be a bad word, because that's Montreal. And that's the Canucks. Aren't you learning so much from my podcast? So, Dragons, they're in fourth place. They're looking up towards Bowling Green, Lansing, and West Michigan. Is it impossible to get a playoff spot? No. Do you need some help with West Michigan, Bowling Green, or Lansing falling? Yeah. I still think second half playoff spot is the doable solution. We'll see, though. This Dragons team, they're streaky. They'll win a bunch, they'll lose a bunch. They'll win a bunch, they'll lose a bunch. There is no in-between. They're streaks. And... I like this Dragons team. I really do. I think they'll get a playoff spot for 2018. Will that be the case? Time will tell. In fact, we've only played 50 games out of 140 for the Dayton Dragons, which I, I, I can't believe it's 50 games already. But there you go. I'm working the scoreboard for the next five and 14 in a row, like I mentioned, which... I'm very ecstatic about this is my eighth season. I've never had that much work. I actually feel appreciated. So, yeah. So now it's time to talk about Dayton and Cincinnati Dutch Lions. Like I previously mentioned, I believe in one of my podcasts, Dayton Dutch Lions are led by former Dynamo head coach Dan Grice, and he's got himself a very strong team with the Dutch Lions. Dayton took three points away from the Michigan Bucks, who did not play at the Ultimate Arena Soccer. Thing is, you're supposed to play outdoors, but Michigan's setup is they have a barn big enough for an outdoor-sized pitch, therefore it's fine. 
Actually, that's not a bad idea for <laughs> for most of this area. Now, Dayton won two to one at Michigan for three points. They also won five to one against Derby City out of Louisville. And Friday, June the first, they'll have their second road game. They'll go to West Virginia, who the Dutch Lions tied with to open up the 2018 campaign. One-one draw with West Virginia at home. Now West Virginia welcomes in Dayton at Schoenbaum Stadium. Have you ever seen a picture of Schoenbaum? Real beautiful backdrop. I mean, you can see the mountains and everything. It's it's pretty gorgeous there. West Virginia Chaos is their name. Next home game for the Dutch Lions is Sunday, June the 3rd at 4. And the Dutch Lions will host Derby City again. And then Saturday, June the 9th, Dayton back at home against Lansing United. Lansing United happened to be... A first-year opponent for the Dynamo since moving from Cincinnati. And then this season's side will go PDL instead of NPSL. Dayton will have, counting the June 3rd and June 9th game, five more home games. Last game of the year will be against Lansing United at home at Dock Stadium. That's West Carrollton High School, right off of Alex Bell Road. Wonderful pitch. You can see a pirate ship in the backdrop which I love. They don't fire the cannon much for Dutch Lions games. I think they fired it once the two years I worked there. Dayton will have the Dutch Lion Cup battle at Dock Stadium June 23rd, and then two straight in Norfolk, Kentucky. That's the home of the Cincinnati Dutch Lions now. On June the 3rd and July Excuse me, July the 3rd and July 13th. Back-to-back games in Cincinnati. So 2-0-1 are the Dayton Dutch Lions. We'll tell you about the Cincinnati Dutch Lions while we're here. Remember, Dutch Lions of Dayton do not have a women's team this year. They'll come back 2019. We'll talk a little bit about the Sirens of Cincinnati, who had to give up the home game for... A pretty obscure reason. We'll talk about that, though. Now for Cincinnati Dutch Lions. Like I mentioned, Norfolk Kentucky University is their home. You ever seen the pitch of the Norse? It's nice. And the schedule on CDLFC.com does not reveal a record of any sort, but we'll go and check that in a little bit. So far, there's been two home games. I believe Cincinnati is 0-2. They're led by former FC Cincinnati defender Paul Nicholson. I believe Cincinnati fell to Lansing and West Virginia. I believe West Virginia won that at least 3-1. Friday, June the 1st, Cincinnati will have their third home game of the year. They'll take on Derby City. And then the first road game will be in Lansing, Michigan against Lansing United for the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. In fact, we'll check that right now. I think it's still uslpdl.com. Put that in the old... Ha! I love you, Google. You probably know too much about me, but it shows the standings as Group A for some reason. Lansing United leads with a 3-1 record. Well, actually, 3-0-1 draws are in the middle. I'm used to draw being... On the right side, not the left. So 3-1-0 and is Lansing United. They scored six goals. Dayton, 2-1, 2-0-1, rather. Two wins, one draw. 
They've scored the most goals of eight, allowed three, which is the second least to Lansing United's two. West Virginia Chaos, one win, two draws. Michigan, one win, two losses, one draw. Cincinnati, two losses. One goal scored, four allowed. We'll check the standings right now, hopefully. This is the Great Lakes Division. Derby City, who was cut off from the standings I saw on Google. They're from Louisville. They have scored one goal, allowed nine, and they have three losses on the season. So Dayton looking up at first place. Looks to be a great year for the Dayton Dutch Lions, and I think Cincinnati will turn it around. Like I mentioned, Doc Stadium's in West Carrollton off of Alex Bell. It's at the campus of West Carrollton High School, and Cincinnati calls Northern Kentucky University's pitch home. Go see your Dutch Lions. We'll look at the Cincinnati Sirens. Like I mentioned, their first home game was called after 12 minutes. Well, actually, they waited for a trainer. And due to a schedule mix-up, there was no home trainer. Therefore, I should probably check the website before I actually go there. I'm on a radio website. 772. What area code is that? So, yeah, let's try that again. Cincinnati Sirens had to give up the first home game to the Columbus Eagles. Columbus won that game 3-0 via forfeit because of the fact the Sirens did not have a home trainer. And there was an injury in the 12th minute. We'll go to... Forget which conference it is. Thought it was Heartland. It might be Great Lakes. It is not Heartland. I confirm that. We're talking about this. It is the Ohio Valley Conference out of the East Region, where Columbus Eagles FC, Cleveland Ambassadors. There's a couple indie squads in there. Indie Saints FC. Steel City, that's got to be Pittsburgh area, right? AAFC, Lumberjills. I like that Oakwood High School calls the girls team Lumberjills. It's not just lady something. Ever since I started going to college, I hated lady nickname. Just call it the nickname. Women can play sports too. Cincinnati Sirens 0-1. It's because of that forfeit. Columbus Eagles, two wins and a draw. Cleveland, one win and a draw. FC Pride, one win. Motor City FC, one win. Lumberjills, one and one. Indy Saints, yet to play a game. Cincinnati Sirens, 0-1. They call Lakota West home. Steel City, 0-1. Empire Revs, 0-3. We'll check out the Sirens. Oh, I'm wrong. It's 5-0 on that. Forfeits were three goals, but no, five, five nothing Columbus. The Sirens' next game is against Empire United. Check out the game schedule, tell you if that's home or away. That's kind of important. It will be a home game against Empire Revs, Friday, June the 1st at 7. And then another home game, June the 9th, against FC Pride, First road game will be at the Cleveland Ambassadors at Nordonia High School. 
And then Park Tudor High School, that's a very nice area of Indianapolis, if I'm remembering right. Indy Saints welcome in the Sirens. Last home game for the Cincinnati Sirens will be against Steel City Saturday, June 23rd. And then two road games to close out 2018 at AAFC Lumberjills at Concordia University, Michigan. And at Stony Creek High School at Motor City FC on July the 1st. Women's soccer season does not last long. No, it does not. But the Sirens 0-1, they'll be back on the pitch this Friday in beautiful Lakota West High School in Westchester. For those that don't know, Lakota West is the southmost school. Lakota East is closer to, what is it, Liberty Crossing? Liberty Center? Liberty Center? You know, Green South. I still don't know why there need to be the Liberty Center, but that's just me. Lakota East is the northmost high school. Lakota West is on Union Center by Ikea. And if you want to go that far, it's closer to Forest Fair. In case you like Bass Pro, because I don't think they're ever going to open at Union Center. Come on. This has been, what, year number six they're going to say they're going to build there, and they still haven't put a bulldozer to the ground yet? I guess that'd be scoop. I don't know. This is a podcast about Cincinnati Dane sports. You expect me to know about construction? I do a little bit, but, you know, yeah. Lakota West, home of the Cincinnati Sirens. And that's your talk about the teams on the pitch. Summer ball is starting shortly. I believe Prospect League ball has begun. Around here, that's in Springfield, Ohio, the home of the Champion City Kings, formerly the Sliders of Slippery Rock. And Chilla Coffee, which is out of the Miami Valley, I know, but they're the Paints. They're a longtime team. They're known mostly for independent ball, and their rival was the Richmond Roosters. But they have a summer team in the paints. And that field is beautiful. Great Lakes season doesn't start till a little bit later. I do know that the Lima locals, again out of the Miami Valley, but whenever it's close to home, I'll include Lima. The locals will have a meet the team Friday, June the 1st for media. So that's happening. For Great Lakes, you have Xenia, the Scouts. In Richmond, Indiana, you have the Jazz. Hamilton, you have the Joes, named after Joe Nuxall. Rest in peace, lefty. Steam of Cincinnati, they call Western Hills High School home. I didn't realize Western Hills Ballpark was that old. Built in the 40s. That's nice. Salina's got the Grand Lake Mariners, named, you know, after the Grand Lake St. Mary's. Lima's got the Locos, probably the most successful team in the Great Lakes. And I think that's all the local teams I can think of. Once upon a time at Rice State, there was the Dayton Docks, but they folded after two or three seasons. I think that's all the summer ball around here in terms of collegiately. And we'll talk a little bit more as the episodes allow us. But that will wrap it up for episode number 42. Go West for championship, young champ. Have you been told I made a dysentery joke? You know, the horrible disease, not dissing Terry. I love that shirt. You have died of dissing Terry. 
<sighs> I know how wildly unfunny I am. It only took me an hour and eight minutes to figure that out. Well, thank you for listening to the episode, episode 43. I plan to have that Monday, maybe Tuesday. Tuesday's my birthday, after all. And for my birthday, listen to my podcast. I don't ask for much, do I? Good luck to Wright State, as they'll take on the host Stanford Cardinal, Friday at 10. Good luck to Sinclair. Their rain-out game will resume today, the 30th, at noon central, 1 eastern, against Northern Oklahoma College Enid. Episode 42 in the books. Good night and good luck. Thank you for listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Acast, Radio Public, Anchor.fm, Radio Line, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Overcast.fm, BeyondPod, Podbait.fm, and listen notes by searching Gem in the Queen's Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, and follow on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Follow the host on Twitter and Facebook at The Lee W. Mowen. Visit TheLeeWMowen.com and GemCitySports.com. Music provided by FreestockMusic.com. Thank you.